Hey everyone, it's Michael. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Today we're continuing the series, Infinite Hope, The Pursuit of Happiness, where we explore the kingdom of God and find hope in the midst of chaos through the eyes of Jesus and the Beatitudes. Today I'm going to be taking you into Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. If you're a regular attender here at our regular Saturday worship gatherings, you've noticed there's something a little different. Some of y'all will catch it at some point. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This week we've been journeying through the Beatitudes And it's this beatitude that finds us second to last. And this one's got to be the joke, right? Out of all of the beatitudes, Jesus, really? Peace in this world? Peacemaking in this economy? Have you seen the political divide in this country, Jesus? Have you seen the racial divide? Have you seen the millions of opinions on masks and vaccines? We're not going to go there. But this is that next-to-last blessed group that Jesus mentions in his magnum opus, the Sermon on the Mount, the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. And that familial language that Jesus uses tells me that this is close to his heart. We are part of the family when we peacemake. I remember when I was a little kid, I was very impressionable, and my mom can attest to it. We could only watch a movie once because my mother well knew that if we watched it twice, all she would hear from me were quotes from that movie, for better or for worse. You see, I had a very particular set of skills. Just kidding, we didn't watch that one. And when I started going to school, uh, it was on. I, the, I, do you remember the, the little like rolling backpacks? Some of y'all still use them. I see them on, on campus. But the one that you, got, you pull a little handle out, it's got the wheels on it. You just kind of cart your stuff around a little bit. I, those were awesome. I loved those. And I was like, wow, can I have one? And we got one. And I was like, well, this isn't as great as it was cracked up to be. And it was all fine and well until, you know, you're hanging around some other groups of kids and you start using their language that is not part of the language of your home. Um, and I'd try out those phrases once, and that was the last time that that was going to ever, ever happen. And in those, yeah, amen, yes. <laughs> in those moments, whenever I'd try to be somebody else or want the cool thing, my dad would pull me aside. He'd look me in the eye and he'd say, Michael, you're a Gibson. And that's not what Gibsons do. And ooh, ah. I, I'd resent those words. Sorry, Dad. I, I would resent those words. Like, ah, I want to, that's the cool thing to do. I'd say, but, Dad, to no avail. But it's only that I've grown, as I've grown older, that I've grown to, grown to appreciate those words. Michael, you're a Gibson. That's not what we do. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become sons of God. In the Jewish culture, peace was not just holding up two fingers as you're saying goodbye to someone or uh, simply a, a, a cessation of war, conflict, or antagonism, or simply a removal of an annoyance. No, peace in Hebrew, that word shalom, true shalom, is a soundness or completeness where everything is ordered right and as it should be. 
takes on an active sense, more than just a removal. It cuts deeper into restoration and rejuvenation. I was talking with my, my wife Mel yesterday, as just kind of talking through the words that I was going to be sharing with you today, and she paused for a moment. She says, here's, here's what I think. Peace is when my inner feelings don't participate in the outward storm. And that hit, and I said, please, take, take the pulpit. You can have my place. And she said, no, 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 no. But it's this sense that Jesus brings when he talks about peacemaking. And if we desire that inner peace despite the outward storm, shouldn't we want that for someone else? And it's in that same sense that Jesus came to this earth, preaching and teaching and sharing his words in the Sermon on the Mount, the new way to live. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 put it this way. For it pleased the Father that in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness would dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's what Jesus came to do, to bridge the divide between Father and us, that he might make peace so that relationship could be restored. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20 puts it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Amen? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Ooh, I skipped a line. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We share in the ministry and in the message of peacemaking, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. It's standing in the gap, in the middle, bridging that divide between persons. And by the way, there is no more dangerous space to be. Peacemakers stand in the middle. Peacemakers are hated. They're disliked and mistrusted by both sides because they're trying to empathize with the other and seek a solution and arrange things as they should be. And that's the space, that middle ground that God asks us to hold. By way of illustration, it was 1969. The television show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was prolific across American screens. And in the midst of the, the America dealing with what are we going to do, Civil Rights Act has come out in 1964, how are we going to shift and change our society to be more inclusive a white Mr. Rogers invites a black Officer Clemens onto his TV show. Sets up a kiddie pool in front of them, both of them placing their feet inside of it. And it, during that time, though the Civil Rights Act had been in place, there were still segregated swimming pools. And in that moment, in a grand demonstration that two people the world said needed to inhabit different spaces, Mr. Rogers leans in and shares the same pool and the same towel with someone who was different than he was, but all true the same. There's a story in the book of Joshua, chapter 5. He's about to face Jericho. You know the story. They marched around the city and they're going to shout and everything's going to come crumbling down. 
finds himself out in the middle of the desert. He's seeking guidance. And the story picks up in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. If you've ever faced someone with a drawn sword in their hand, you've got to figure out real quick what relationship you've got, right? That's exactly what Joshua does. He went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? See, God says it's not so much about picking sides. Your position or belief shouldn't rely on your relationship or lack thereof to someone else. Your position depends on your relationship to God. It's through him we relate to the world around us. By making peace, we bear the image of God and resemble the family of God. God is looking for those who are actively pursuant of right order and right relationships. We might even call it righteousness. He says, those are my kids. Those are the ones that are a part of the family. But he doesn't always find them. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Here's the thing. If we can't get along with our enemies here on this earth, what makes us think heaven will be any different? Because Jesus lays down in the Sermon on the Mount that the whole point of the coming of the Messiah is that heaven is here now. It's not some future experience of ecstasy. It is present. It is here. Heaven is not a place or a location that we can arrive at. It's not a destination pinpoint on the map where you can say, hey, Siri, take me to Taco Bell. It's an environment and an atmosphere that is built through peacemaking. And when we are tempted to spew vitriol and mean speak, God leans in close and says, my son, my daughter, you are a child of God. That's not what we do. When we're tempted to look down on others, to judge because of color, race, ethnicity, gender, orientation, sexuality, denomination, religion, or whether they are wearing a mask to cover their face or not today in church. God leans in close and says, my son, my daughter, you are a child of God. That's not how we do. That's not what we do. Where reconciliation reigns, there is peace. There is heaven. Where peace is made, there is heaven. Where peace restores, there is heaven. Where relationships are made right, there is heaven. Where the broken are made whole, there is heaven. Where things are as they should be, there is heaven. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in his paraphrase of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. You are blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Blessed are the peacemakers, the ones who stand in the gap, the reconcilers, for they will be recognized as part of the family of God.